Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is Will. And this is episode... 436. Gen Con Hotness 2023! We like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode from Indianapolis, Indiana. All right, friends, we are back. And it might sound a little bit weird, but we're in a hotel room after Gen Con 2023. It's finished. It's done. We did it. There you go. Yes, we have fled the hall, found some dinner, <laughs> taken our shoes off, and now we are recording this for you. Yay! We, we, we did a thing, and it was advanced, and it was scary because planes and and people and social interactions and games and yeah. That's the, those are some of the things that happened. That that's the that's for the be, that's for the Patreon backers. They get to hear all the crazy stuff that we can't say out loud. Yeah, you know, you guys get all the anxieties. All that's good. right. That's right. So we'll talk more about that at our feature review because our feature review, of course, is everything that we saw at Gen Con 2003 that was super incredibly amazingly hot. Obviously, you can jump onto our Facebook page because at this moment. It seems to be the last social media standing. I don't know. Maybe. The last one I'm willing to go to. So there's a ton of pictures. I posted for every day. There's so many more pictures. I might have to post for like a post post day just to get those pictures up. So myself, Anthony, and Will are with you for this great episode covering a lot of games that we got to the table. And again, the Gen Con hotness for 2023. So stick with us. A lot of great happening. But before we get into that... Anthony, what's going on with us? BGA did a thing. Yeah, no. So we uh, we have been talking about this for two months, three months, four years, <laughs> something like that. All of all time. Give or take. Yeah, yeah. So we, we held our first annual academic conference for board game academics on Trade Day at Gen Con. Uh, so that was on Wednesday. Today's Sunday. Yes. So and, and thank you all for supporting us. A lot of people reached out. We, it meant a lot. A lot of people showed up for Trade Day. It meant a lot. A lot of people just shared the social media stuff and shared the, you know, the information if other people could attend, whether it was in person or whether it was online on our Discord channel. So um, thank you all for supporting us and supporting the great research, scholarship and practitioners that are out there to getting the good word of tabletop gaming out to everyone. Yeah, no, that's pretty amazing. Uh, So... We, we've kind of gone through this before, but now that it's happened, we're giving you a recap. So it's not us telling you what's going to happen. Yes. It's telling you what's, it did happen. It did. Yeah, and it, it went exactly as planned. So whatever we said before is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Go fake. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, it was amazing. We had five people present at Gen Con. Um, they all did an amazing job. Just absolutely incredible. We were able to record all of that. Uh, I am not able to edit it from this hotel room. So sometime in the next week or two, we're going to have those videos up for people. Uh, and then we were online, and Jen did an amazing job running the Discord, keeping everybody engaged, guiding everybody through all the events. We had, at some point between online and in person, like dozens of people, 60 people or so, yes, uh, engaged, which was just amazing. So, you know, if you signed up, if you attended, if you were on the Discord, you're awesome. Thank you. Uh, and stay tuned, because there'll be more. Yeah, so check with us, because as Anthony said, he'll be editing those videos, they'll be going up, you'll want to see them because it's some really amazing research scholarship and practitioners out there who do some great stuff with tabletop gaming might even give you some ideas of what to do with your tabletop games they're not just there for 
general fun and social entertainment, they have a lot of practical uses out there in the world. So whatever your particular career might be, it may be enhanced by having a tabletop game at the table. But again, that's not the end of board game academics. A journal is coming and other big news coming up. So stick with us because you're going to be part of it. And again, thanks so much for all your support. Yeah, y'all don't have any idea how many plans we made this week. (laughs) Too many. Too many. Yeah, like not working, not around the families. It's time to think and talk and meet people and just like a billion things coming down the line. Yeah, there's so so much to shout out. Um, Well, what do you think about the conference? You are the conference convention man. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I will say one of the things that I found myself consistently doing is just listening to the presenters talking and being really engrossed and learning something new with each person uh, and you know even things that I wouldn't have thought that I would need to learn anything about. Sure. I was very you know impressed by the quality of the kind of things that were happening. Uh, and I was really impressed in how many new and interesting ideas kind of flowed together uh, from you know wildly different scholastic works. Absolutely. It was a great time. And again, we want to bring you in on it. So in the near future, we'll maybe have a question of the week, Anthony, that talks about how you've probably used board gaming, tabletop gaming, role-playing gaming, cards and stuff in a number of different ways. Because I think there's a lot of great conversation to be had. And we usually don't share it, but we would love to. Because I think getting more games out there will be beneficial. It gets a lot more games off your shelf and gets a lot more people interested in gaming. Because again, we want more people at the table. So... Uh, we'll be talking about that next weeks, months, years as, as things go on. But uh, Anthony, take it away. Yeah, so um, that was kind of the reason we're here, right? We did a thing. We did a thing, right? Um, and it was amazing. And uh, like like Chris said, if we're gonna we're gonna be doing a million different things, so stay in touch and make sure you join us on Patreon, especially um, where we have lots and lots of fresh content, new ideas. We post all this stuff in advance. Patreon backers are able to attend for free. Um, So thank you to those backers who did attend. Several of you did, which is amazing. And also other normal board game content on there. What? Yeah, make sure you (laughs) check it out because we've got things like Kick in the Habit, which we'll be coming back with. Chris will be coming back with here in the next week or so. Yeah, there'll be a special Gen Con version of Kick in the Habit because we saw so many games that we were able to preview that are going to be coming up on crowdfunding sites that you're going to want to know because they're not up there yet, but they're getting there soon. Yeah, and we're not going to cover them all here because this episode will be four hours long. (laughs) But they'll be up there. Yeah. Um, And stay tuned for my own deep dive episodes, uh, which will be continuing as well uh, once we get back and decompress from the biggest game week of the year. Uh, Plus, you know, other bonus content and you can join us on Discord and all sorts of amazing stuff. So make sure you check it out. Yeah, again, thanks for all your support, and we have a lot more stuff coming up, so stick with us. Uh, Anthony, let's talk about the games that uh, hit the table this week at Gen Con 2023. Yeah, so we played more than normal, Okay, I feel like, but we've talked about this in the past. Gen Con is the convention that we play the least games. Sure. It's a very vendor-heavy convention. There is a lot of play to be had. It's huge. What do you think, Will? Your first time here at Gen Con? <laughs> It was a little overwhelming at times. Uh, There's a lot going on. There was just a lot of pavement to pound <laughs> yeah. in order to to get to things. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. It was a. There were some times where you kind of needed to take take a step back and take a break from it. Yeah. But I also got to see a lot of really new and interesting games uh, and stuff that I wouldn't have even known existed without Absolutely. physically being there. So Anthony, what 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 of the many games are we going to talk about that did hit the table this week? Yes, yeah, so I think the first one we should talk about because it's new. 
Okay. And we were taught by the designer, Ooh. which did not know that was going to happen. So that was very I cool. I know. We have pictures of that. Yeah, yeah. Flew in from Europe. Uh, was Terraforming Mars the dice game? The dice game, you say? The dice game. This is the third iteration of Terraforming Mars. Uh, we had Ares Expedition, which was... I don't. I guess you call it the card game, but it's already a card game. So sure, whatever. <laughs> um, and then the dice game, which is legitimately a dice game. Yes, um, it is a forty-five minute spin on terraforming Mars that uses dice as resources and has all the other stuff that you're used to. You have corporations that you start with that have special abilities and the resources that you're going to get. You have cards that are going to give you ongoing effects in production. You have effect cards that you can activate and utilize to do certain things. You have events and. I will say there are a lot more events in this game than in regular Terraforming Mars. Absolutely. The bulk of the cards you play will be events. Um, but the real thing that's important about this game, I think, is that the resources themselves, you don't have like your little play mat where you're generating resources or keeping track of them. You have dice in a pool with faces on them. Those are your resources. Once you roll the die, it's there. Very few ways to change that. You can gain some more. But you're never going to have that many, right? So you're never going to have like some crazy big stupid production round. You might even only produce one or tw- two times in a game. So it's very different in that sense. It's less engine. Bu- I mean, there's still some engine building to it, but that's not the core of the game so much as just building out your ability to generate points and to play those di- get those dice. Yeah, so like Anthony said, it's terraform Mars. There's Mars. It's tiny. And there's less space to build and less lakes and forests to kind of put out there. But it's terraforming Mars. You still have the same milestones and, and achievements. All of that's the same. But the dice, obviously, as the name says, is all the difference in the world. Your corporation, your production gives you dice. And then you do your best to pay for the cards utilizing the dice. And then every once in a while, you may choose to refresh which allows you to get more cards in your hands because you never have enough cards in your hand. Right, yeah. So it's 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 a balancing act between having enough cards and having enough dice and making yes. sure the dice that you have match the cards that you have. Because if you run out of dice, you can't do much. If you run out of cards, you can't do much. And then you have to refresh. And the more times you refresh during the game, the more times you produce, the less times you're actually doing things. Yes. And the further behind you fall. So, like, the first game we played, I won... And I only produced once the entire game. Sure. The second game, didn't win, produced like three or four times. And I'm not saying that's how you win the game, but that's just my observation of like efficiency. It's about efficiency. On observation, who won the second game, by the way? I believe you did. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as Anthony said, it's a balancing act because the production of dice throughout the game makes you want to stay and just get cards. And when you refresh, you roll, you you know you pull down to three dice or three resources in the game. So refreshing's good because more cards and you get to get three more dice again. So it's a balancing act for sure. And I think the most interesting dynamic part or fun part of the game for me was those red cards that give you like bonus stuff, but you have to hit certain markers on the track. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's certain point markers. Um... Reminded me of Spirium, actually, of, of all things. It's like <laughs> Everything reminds you of Spirium. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like five points and 12 points. And then you get bonus cards that were like, they could be awesome production for later in the game. They could be one giant big thing you get right then. Um, but it all comes from the same deck, and they're limited to the number of players. There's eight in the game for four players. 
the sooner you reach that point, the sooner you get those things. Yeah, it reminded me of Scythe in that way, where you have the the kind of central hub, and if you get to that place, you can go you can go to the factory and take all the cards and pick out what you want, which could be dice or some sort of production for later. So there is a kind of rush for it because it does benefit you pretty big. It's a pretty big boost in your economy going on. So yeah, no, we got to play the base game, which was cool. And then we got to play, and again, thanks to the designer here, we Jacob, we, we actually got to play with the expansion. And he was so cool. He was like, you want to play with the expansion? I'm like, yeah, I want to play with the expansion. He's like, you want me to throw it all in? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to throw it all in. You want to play with the corporations? Yeah, we want to play with the corporations too. All of it. <laughs> Promos and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jacob Frictelius, designer of all things Terraforming Mars. And his was, brother was there too. And his brother, Enoch, was there. Um, very, very nice. Very helpful. And was taking pictures with literally everybody who walked up very happily, uh, even though he was running late to his own panel. Um, yes. So... Uh, thank you, Jacob, for teaching us the game. It was a lot of fun. Yes, and his number one fan is Mom, who plays the game how often? Uh, he claims daily. Yeah, since it came out. Since or 2014. Probably before it Two came years out. before it came out, yeah. yeah. So she she probably has the most plays of anybody on the planet. She'll mess with you, man. It if sounds you, like If you it. sit down with her, forget it, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands <laughs> of plays. Yeah, we got to play two four-player games. I thought they were both fun. I didn't... the. There was very little downtime. I thought that was pretty good because, you know, once you're just making decisions, it does move pretty quick. I the only the only con I would say is you almost need to play with the expansion. Because yeah. I felt it was a little too vanilla without it. Yeah, but it's honestly every Terraforming Mars game comes with the expansion in the box, the corporate era expansion. Yeah. And every single one, I'd give the same advice. Throw it in there immediately. Yes. Never play with the generic corporations. Uh, never play with the basic anything. Always throw those cards in there right away and leave them there because they make the game better. Yeah, I'd actually put the generic corporations, just leave them in the box. Yeah. Don't even don't even put the, pass them out or give them out or anything else like that. There's no point. And the new cards that came out were a lot of fun too because like on the second game, I had a couple of the cards that gave me resource gave me resource dice based on how other people were building, which if you play Terraform Mars, you're pretty familiar with that mechanic. So um, a lot of fun. Obviously, a very slimmed down, basic production, very low level kind of stuff. You're not seeing anything, any fancy pieces, any fancy plastic or anything there. Very traditional Terraform Mars the dice game. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a buy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I already backed it on Kickstarter, so I already bought it. But all right, <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm happy I did. Yes. Yeah. No regrets. No, it's great. And I, and again, I, it's so hard because I love Terraform Mars so much. But the dice, the dice game, and for me particularly, the the card game works so well. They're so nicely streamlined that I feel like I am getting a lot out of it. Other than a little couple of frustration points where I have a ton of dice and not the cards, yeah, or I have a ton of cards and not the dice. Like I would have like all the the money dice yellow card. <laughs> Just like, why can't you work together so we can do a thing? But um, no, it's a buy, absolutely. Yeah, no, awesome game. Uh- these were the very first production copies in the world, apparently, so it's not going to be out now yet for another few months because they're just getting them on the boat soon, but they're done. <laughs> Look forward to it. It was not a prototype. Excellent. All right. Um, the other stuff we got to play was right here in our very own hotel room, uh, was a trio of new games from AEG. Yeah, thanks, AEG. They give us uh, review copies. Yep, Absolutely. Um, so I figured we'd talk through those real quick. Uh, Point City was the first one we played. Yep. We, all three of us played that. 
This is the sequel to Point Salad. Spiritual successor. Spiritual successor is a better way to put it. Yeah. yeah it's They call it Point. It's the same size box, the same font. But and really the only thing that's similar is just you have the two-sided cards. I think yeah. mechanically it's very different. It's a deck. It's the same size box. Same graphic design. Yeah. That's pretty, you know. Yeah, so the the game itself is like Splendor. It's Splendor. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a bad. I know we don't like Splendor. We've made that very clear over the years. Please don't stop listening to the podcast. We're sorry. Yeah, we tried. As I said, I own the app. I I, I paid my money. I paid my dues to Splendor. Yeah. It's. We don't need to get into it. It's fine. We're not reviewing that game. We're reviewing this game, Point City. Yes. So it's like Splendor in that you are benefiting from cards that you build on your tableau and then that gives you a resource that allows you to purchase other cards so as soon as we start playing we're like oh splendor this is splendor very quickly yes so you have the tableau you're drafting cards from it it's a draft just like point salad just like point salad and some of them are faced up with the resources that you need in your city so like commerce and different buildings people and stuff like that and then on the other side of those cards is the buildings themselves that you're trying to build yep. each building you build not every building most buildings you build give you one of those resources permanently yes for building other buildings yes just like splendor um the difference is the market's constantly evolving and changing your cards can be flipped over and you have a little bit more flexibility in how you approach building out your tableau. It doesn't feel like it's running itself when you get like to the midpoint of the game, and it doesn't feel like you're racing up this ladder and it's going to be impossible to catch up to somebody. Splendor has that feeling of like once you fall far enough behind, you're like, can we just be done? Because I know you won this game. Yeah, well, you were talking about that too, like this versus Splendor. What was your feelings on that? Yeah, so I can just speak for the last couple times I played Splendor. By a certain point, you know who's going to win. It wasn't interesting. There's a lot of dead time and dead space where you really couldn't do anything. Uh, in Point City, I felt like there was something I could do every turn. I felt like I was in it. Uh, I enjoyed the experience of every turn, which is not always a guarantee in sure. some games. Yeah, and again, it it has that kind of open family appeal of like Point Salad where the tableau's out there, so what do you have to do? Well, you have to select two cards. And the card you select, if it's a resource card, can actually help you build the building so it was kind of fun going like all right orthogonally like which two cards am i taking so that i can build it? oh i can take this building and this resource it'll pay for it great boom play it down or i can take two two buildings i have the resources play it down or then eventually you have those wild cards you start with one in the game and then a lot more and then later in the game the buildings obviously become more expensive and more dynamic but the resources ramp up so at no point like you said with splendor do you feel like, oh, I leveraged heavy into the diamonds, but now only thing Ruby stuff is coming up. I can't do anything until something happens, and I'm just taking gold for the rest of the game, and I'm not feeling great about it. Mm-hmm. So that along with the, I guess, the public buildings, Anthony, that come into the game, allow you to have a you know, multiplier based upon the resources that you have, or just gives you straight victory points. So. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I felt like I was making decisions. Yes. Like, like you said, Will, it's like you're actually doing something. Whereas Splendor, the reason I don't like it is that halfway through the game, you don't feel like you're doing anything anymore. Like the game's just kind of going. Yeah, you have to shoot for one of those big spots and hope that it's still there or yeah. you can build towards it. Yeah, yeah. So like, I like it just fine. I, I think it's a play for me, whereas Splendor's a dodge. So yeah. it's, it's better. I think it's they looked at that design and they iterated on it by using that card flipping mechanic, and I think sure. that's a good idea. Yeah, and it's a small box 
relatively inexpensive. You know, say if you if you play point salad, you got the general idea. So I would say for me too, it's a play. Um, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a buy. Uh, wow. I had a great time with it. Uh, I liked it much better than Splendor. Right. Um, I will say I had a kind of a cute, cozy time with it. Yeah. Uh, part of it was playing with you two, I suppose. But uh, it was just a fun game. And yeah. I enjoyed it. You know, I, the artwork is very quaint. It's got yeah. that kind of like or uh, early Facebook kind of like city. You know, oh, I can't unsee design. that now. Oh I'm no! <laughs> but it, it just reminded me of that. It reminded me of those old kind of like farming games and things like that. But I thought it was fine. It was very colorful, very bright, very you know, very light. You can carry that with you. It's a deck of cards and a couple of tokens. Yeah, no, it's good. It's I, I don't think it'll surpass. It definitely surpasses Splendor for me. It doesn't necessarily surpass Point Salad, but I don't know that you're comparing those two games. Mm, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Does it if if does it warrant a comparison to Point Salad? I would say no, because I think Point Salad feels very different as it's like, it almost feels like it's a race. So Point Salad is literally vegetables on the table, and then on the other side is plate that gives you like a multiplier of something. And, when I, and I played it recently too, and you know, someone going for tomatoes and they're just picking them up. Like you have to stop them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you got to like leverage whatever you're picking up. You're picking up bell peppers and you got to leverage that. So at no point are you really collecting something to build something. You're just set collecting for the sake of set collecting. And then you're hopefully building up really powerful combos as far as that's concerned. So yeah, I don't, I mean, it uses elements of it as far as like logistically and, and, and mechanically how it kind of works. But they're two very different games. So that's why I would say it's more of a spiritual successor than like a similar game but with buildings. It's not. Right. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good game. All right. That's Point City. Yes. All right. Second on the list uh, from the AEG reviews is uh, Deep Dive. Ooh. So as soon as I saw this game, I was like, hey, Deep Dive or Deep Sea Adventure? Like, I've played this game before. If, and I've reviewed it before, at least in its oink version, which is a small box game. And basically in that version of the game, you're a diver and you're going down all of these different tokens, deciding where to stop, flipping a token over, getting the resource, and then heading back up to the sub. But everyone's sharing the same oxygen. So there's a danger of not getting back up. But also if you get back up and you have like something that's very light as far as points... You may regret it. So it's also fig- fig- figures in the line of Clank as far as like grabbing great loot and running out. So this is similar because what you do is you have different levels of the ocean with a number of different tokens, but you have penguins. And it's not a co-op kind of sharing oxygen, so there's no kind of risk. It is 100% a press your luck game. So you take your penguin, you got three, you're deciding how deep you want to go, so you go down through each level of the ocean, and as you land on something, a couple things could happen. So you can get bubbles. Bubbles kind of push you ahead going down to the next level. You can get a rock. I guess this is true. We have not looked this up yet, but penguins swallow rocks in order to go deeper into the ocean? I don't know if that's true, but it is true as far as mechanic is concerned. So you could take the rock, take next term, and go as deep as you want. That's pretty cool. And then, obviously, there is a number of things for the penguin to eat. 
different colors. We'll talk about the scoring mechanism in a second. And there's also a ton of predators. We ran into a lot of predators. All of them, I think. Yeah, pretty much every single one. Yeah, so you have your three penguins. When they hit a predator, they stop, and you have to use your other penguins. Once all three get stopped or they're distracting the predators, can't see the air quotes, but I'm doing air quotes, uh, you get to pick them all back up, and you, you're able to take a, a food, some sort of seafood in that particular area if it's available. And then at the end of the game, again, it's a set collection. You set up a little tableau, and you're trying to get at least three of three different colors to create a set. Allows you to score the full points of the seafood that you were able to eat or collect as penguins. But if you only get two of a color later down, further down on the tableau, it's only half points for that. So, what did you think, Anthony? Yeah, I thought it was cute. It's, it's funny, like... Deep Sea Adventures, you know, it's got the cooperative element, it's got the oxygen, it's got yeah. the dice rolling. This doesn't have any of that. Nope. So it's press your luck. Straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. And the randomness is just the tiles that you're flipping over. Yeah. That's it. You don't add, so it's actually simpler and a it little is. bit more accessible. And yes. I think this would be better for like children. Um, you know, they might get angry at it, but that's fine. Kids are supposed to get angry at camps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My experience. Um, so it's cute. I think it's very cute. I I don't know that I like it any better than Deep Sea Adventure, but I also don't think they're the same audience. No. It's and it's, it's with the set collection element especially, you know, you are like hunting for things, which I think is important because then that might push you further down. Like you're like, well, I could go to level two. There's what spot I can just jump on. I could just take that fish, but that's not really the color I need. I guess I got to go deeper and I got to try to find that pink one that I don't have yet. A little more interesting decision-making yeah. space. Um, the predator is popping up. is kind of wacky and fun. It's wacky and fun. And the whole game takes like, like 15 20 minutes it's it super probably, fast it probably takes you it takes you longer to set it up than it does to play yeah, probably because <laughs> i set that game up and there's a lot of tokens it's it's it reminded me a little bit of hey that's my fish in that oh, way yes that's what i thought initially too you got the penguins you've got like the 400 hexes it takes like 20 minutes to set up it and five minutes to play yeah um but that game is also really good with kids it's it, fun it's much more cutthroat than this but um yeah i like it i think it's it's good for what it's trying to do what do you think will I liked it. I had fun playing it. I think one of the things that really rubbed me the wrong way was like the color design of the oh, game. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. there was, the colors that you score with are green, yellow, and pink. And the green and yellow are so close to each other Agreed. as to be almost indistinct. On um, a blue barrier, background. On too. a blue background, which is real hard to see. I will say part of that was the situation we were playing the game in, where there was a lot of like reflection and sure. you can't really see what's going right. on. But I, I mean, I feel like if I was looking at it in a certain way, I would have made different decisions playing the game. Sure. And I don't like a situation where the design of the game yes. is making me do things incorrectly. Yeah, that's a problem. I'm surprised at AEG that they didn't have more distinct colors. Yeah, it's strange too because the game has a very... I, I wouldn't say it's like an evocative color scheme or anything, but like if the penguins are cute. The cover's nice and flat and it pops. Um, you have different sculpts for each of the three penguin meeples that you have, which is fun. Again, kind of like, hey, that's my fish, where each of the penguins sure. is different. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of like this somewhat bland and muddied graphic design for the fish themselves. Yeah, and the the fish, the predators, and the penguins, it's that in-between realistic animal and cartoony kind of thing. So. They were playing with the art style there. They could have went harder one way or the other. As far I as think it. more cartoony would have been better. Well, I think so, too. Especially since the game is... I mean, yeah. I mean, why not? It's a kid's game. I mean, it's not a kid's game, but it's a good game for kids. 
It's a good game for kids, good game for families. I mean, no one's going to have... You can teach this game in two minutes. Like, just keep going until you decide you want to stop. Pretty (laughs) much. That's pretty much it. And, uh, you know, you get your penguins back so no one goes home hurt. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say a play on this. Yeah, I think I'm a play, too. Strictly for the family opportunity for it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm a play also. I enjoyed it. All right. All right, there we go. Just repaint those tiles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get some nice, really cool uh, Finding Nemo stickers on there or something. Right. Fish your friends, not food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, everybody. We are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal... Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. So the last game we played from this batch was, uh, it directly influenced our breakfast this morning, well, is, <laughs> my, my breakfast at least, uh, it was waffle time. We made waffles. Yeah, I saw this and I was like, I don't remember, and I've, I've said this to many people, like the great thing about board games, tabletop games, and all that stuff, like we cover everything. Like just name something randomly. Like right now, just name something randomly. Like a thing, a place, like... I guarantee you, either on BGG or somewhere in the internet, there's a game about it. Like, there's a game about waiting in line. I mean, it's just it's so diverse. I'm like, I have never seen, at least to my knowledge, I'm sure they're they're out there as well, waffle games. This is a game about not just waffles. You're not making waffles necessarily. You're topping the waffles. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a waffle already. Yes. You start the game with a waffle. A Belgian waffle. A Belgian waffle from the Belgian designer, Maxime Demir. Yes. So... Appropriate. Um, <laughs> and what you're doing is you're trying to get a certain combination of fruits and cream and butter on your waffle to score points. And syrup. Because nothing scores without syrup. And the syrups are like nice little cla- glass like droplets, kind of? Production on this is really nice. Yeah. And the yeah. artwork is beautiful. I really like the... I re- again, it's more to the realistic side, but it's it's sharp and colorful and bright. It looks like something from like... A magazine like that you would have clipped out in maybe like the 60s or 70s. Yeah, it actually had a very distinct visual style that I thought was really appealing because it feels nice yes. to put the things there and it feels aesthetically pleasing to like, oh, I put the little cream down it and does. Then the fruit and then I got the little syrup. It was, <laughs> it was very nice. And the funny thing is, so like the aesthetics really, like you said, Wells, it's so charming and engaging. I just kept looking at my board and like, what would I put on it? And but the gameplay, Anthony, you've seen this somewhat before in other places as far as, like, 
laying things out on a grid, which is basically what the waffle is, which is genius. Yeah, it gave me some like tiny town type vibes, sure. right? So you have this central space, tableau, whatever you want to call it, with nine different tiles on it that represent the different types of resources. They're two-sided. And you're moving your little tray around it to represent the rounds. It's very cute how they do it. Um, so there's eight rounds in the game. And you will flip over some of those tiles based on where the fork lands, right? Everything's very thematic here. When you move your meeple thing, or token, it's not even a meeple, you move it to one of the locations on the around the edges. So, And this is a little bit like Quadropolis. And you ch- take the two tiles facing your thing, right? So the two that are immediately adjacent. Um, and you, I should clarify, you don't actually take the tiles, despite the fact we kept trying to take the tiles. <laughs> Many times. Because it was 12 o'clock. Um, you take the pieces from the supply that are represented by the tiles. And then you place them anywhere you want on your waffle. That's it. Right, and you can put them wherever. The only thing you can't do is put cream on top of a fruit, but <laughs> otherwise you can do whatever you want. The key, though, is you have five cards that come out at the beginning of the game that tell you these are the types of patterns you're trying to complete. And when you complete the patterns, you're allowed to put syrup on them. So, as you play, you are trying to get, you know, like one of them was blackberries in this like two by two tetramino type of shape. Another one was having two other kinds of fruit between two bananas. <laughs> There are five decks of, I believe, four cards each, and you choose one randomly, and you place those out at the beginning of the game, and that decides what you're doing. So kind of like Cascadia and how it does that. And really, Tiny Towns and a lot of the games that AEG produces, they kind of use this mechanic of, here are your objectives, here are your available buildings, here are your available patterns. It's randomized every game, so there's like hundreds of possible combinations, which I really appreciate because then you're not playing the same thing every time. Um, As you complete those you can place your syrup out. And at the end of the game, you score points based on things that are covered in syrup. Right? There are three like scoring objectives that are also worth points at the end. And if you complete them first, you get the butter that's on them, which is worth two <laughs> points. You put that somewhere on your waffle. That's it, though. You just do that for eight rounds. You're getting 16 pieces from doing your drafts. You put them in the most efficient way possible. And if you do it better than everybody else, you get to order a waffle the next morning at the local <laughs> cafe like I did. And it was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was a fun game. I, I think, as Will and I said, the artwork, the graphic design elevates it. And I thought that was fun because a lot of times when you get what can be, not saying any, naming any particular games, but what can be is a very dry, like, match this pattern kind of game. And I think that this game, again, brilliantly, like, of course a waffle. Like, why not a waffle? Right. It elevates it. So it gets a play for me. I think it's a buy for me. Oh, wow. I thought this was very clever. Yeah, awesome. it's it's fun. It's, it's again, short. Like, all these games are very short. Um, it's also very family-friendly. And it's just a theme that... I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for food-themed games. Yeah. Especially food I can eat. Right? <laughs> There's a lot of food I can't eat. I can make a gluten-free waffle. I like fruit. It's great. So, I, I really like this. Um Everything just—it's like a sum of all its parts. Yes. I think if you took this mechanic alone and put it on a less interesting theme, I don't know if I would care as much. Yes. If you had just waffles and the mechanics were kind of dull, I don't think I'd care as much. <laughs> uh, if you had everything here and the graphic design wasn't as charming, I don't think I'd care as much. But all of it together, it makes it a buy for me. Yeah, uh, I think it's a play for me. I liked playing it. I think uh, the only thing I would pay attention to is, uh, you know, just thinking about the theme of it and if that makes sense for you. And also, don't play it when you're super hungry. Yeah, uh, because that was I really wanted a waffle at the end of yeah. it, and then by the next morning, I was. I the artwork on the fruit. 
The fruit pops. And the fruit the, pops, the, man. For me, it was the combination of the little cream oh, yeah, and yeah. then the fruit and then the syrup, which does make some interesting points about how they believe waffles should be created, mm. which I don't necessarily disagree with. But they're like, it has to be done this particular way, and then you put syrup on top. That's true. They are saying the whipped cream comes before the fruit, and I don't know if that's how I would do it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel personally that way, but it was a good game. Look, a Belgian designer, a Belgian waffle. That's true. He knows. We don't know. Yeah, he would know he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun game. Check it out. All right. Awesome. Um, so we also got a chance to participate in an event. We don't <gasps> often do this as much. A but tournament. A tournament of champions. Good versus evil. Good versus, it was good versus evil. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, the first ever War of the Ring card game tournament was held at Gen Con, and we participated in that yes. uh, on Friday. Saturday? On Saturday. Um, <laughs> so we played several games of yes. War of the Ring the Card Game, which is not a short game, by the way. So we played for several hours. Yes. Which, on its own, regardless of anything else that happened, is amazing. Because this game is fantastic. Yeah, I, I've talked about doing tournaments, and I was talking to Will about it beforehand. I was like, in theory, you should want to play tournaments. In practice... It's miserable to play tournaments. And there's reasons for that. We won't get into that now. I remember I, I've talked about this previously. I love Small World. Small World, one of the early conventions we went to, PAX East, had a convention. I was thrilled. I was sat down. I enjoyed And then I couldn't... I, like, literally left. Like, they are like, oh, it's a tie. We, yeah, you can go on. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to play anymore. I played two games of this, and I was really kind of somewhat annoyed I wanted to play more like yeah. I just wanted to continue to play it wasn't about winning and losing I just wanted to play more of the game yeah same it's a funny thing it's it's such a brilliant design in so many different ways especially with the correct four player layout and when everybody knows the game well <laughs> that but it's hard to make that happen unless sure. you have a group of four people who want to sit down and play like a two and a half hour card game which is tough sell so Having the opportunity to sit down at a tournament where everybody knows the rules and everybody wants to be there, and one of our <laughs> opponents was dressed as Gandalf, which is totally unfair. Yeah, he came in and he first card he played in that game was Gandalf, by the way. And, and look, and when he left, he was literally doing magic tricks. He was doing card magic, and I was like, <laughs> and he had the giant long sleeves. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no shade at all. They, they they were fun to play with, but um, they actually went on to win the whole thing. That's, yeah, congratulations. Uh, but it was just fun to be able to sit and play that and have conversations with people about the game, especially Ian Brody, who was there. I know, I got to meet Ian Brody, designer of the game, who was an absolutely wonderful gentleman. Very charming. absolutely a lot of fun to spend time with. Yes, um, and we learned more about that. We learned more about the second yeah. expansion coming in the spring with mm-hmm. the new, the two new factions. Yeah, you picked up the new expansion, but there's another one coming, and we actually got to see the cards. We did. Yeah, he was very excited to show us the cards. So I was going to try to sneak some photos. I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have to sneak anything. He's like, look, look at the cards. <laughs> um, so we had a lot of fun there. Uh, we took home some prizes. We, we did. We, we won a game. So we were very happy about that. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's. I, I'm with you on the tournament thing. Yeah. Like, there are very few games where that's fun for me. Um, I did go and do a Keyforge tournament later in the day, and I did have fun. Nice. But it was only two hours. I think if I did like the big, long... Sure epic regional national qualifier things that they were doing in the stadium that would have been eight hours and it would have burned me out so two to four hours perfect especially if it's a game you love yeah it has to be the game that you love it has to be the game that like engages you enough to that you want to continue to play despite all the shenanigans that can happen in a tournament and with people and such 
this was a game for us, and that was great. And it's nice to actually have a game where you can play with a partner, too. Yeah, no, that's really fun. Yeah, like Tishu, and there's only so many games like that that allow you to have, like, team versus team kind of situation. So. Yeah, although I am excited to go home and play this game by myself. All right. <laughs> I'll text Fine. you, Chris, like, hey, I beat the shadow again. <laughs> you going to yeah. come over? Let's do it. Absolutely. And again, thanks for thanks to Aries Games for running the tournament, and everyone there at the booth was wonderful. And I'll, I will say... I'm not going to say that we are we and I guess uh, Stephen Bonacore from the Pod Father podcast are the greatest podcasts in the world, maybe. But I will say we were the smartest because both of us showed up to the Aries booth as soon as the convention started because we know that game's great. Yes, that was my first. There was so we, I guess we can get into this now because we kind of covered the games we played. All right, yay, we covered the games, and now our future review: Gen Con Highlands 2023. Go. <laughs> You can tell we're not doing the normal the normal functionality here. That's fine. Um, so the the show opens. We run in. We do the thing. Right. Everybody's busy. They're rushing around. And there's always like you have to make a small list, right? Like what are the two three things I want to make sure I, I get to before they sell out? This was my number one. So we went straight there. And it did sell out. It did sell out. So I'm glad I did. Um, everything else sold out before I got there. So I'm glad I went to this one because <laughs> everything yes. else sold out immediately because there were. 10 billion people at this convention. Yes, that's that's the official number. Yeah. Uh-huh. The entire population of Earth was in Indianapolis. Oh, uh, it was pretty... And some aliens, too. In, in it, it, yeah, it's true. Cause, yeah. 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 But again, so, as you mentioned, Anthony, tons and tons of people. Official numbers are not out yet, but they were looking at 85,000 and up. So, one of the biggest Gen Cons of all time, give or take... And you could tell because that opening day and then the days following, crush of people. Take a look at the pictures on Facebook and, and you'll see. I've never had such a hard time moving around Thursday morning. Yeah. Like, we could not move. Yeah, usually you worry about Saturday when, when the locals come in, but, like, Thursday was just unbelievable. Yeah. What about you, Will? It was first time here, a lot of people. What do you think? It was a lot of people. It was genuinely uncomfortable for yeah. some parts of it. And yeah. there were there were a lot of pain points in how the things were being run. And, and, and that's not to denigrate anything that anyone was doing on the convention end. But there were just so many things that were just infinitely more difficult because there were so many people. I mean, your three-hour lines to yeah. pick up stuff that you'd already purchased. And yes. getting to the front of a line of a booth and there's nothing left. I mean, some of the majors just didn't have anything yeah. after the first day. I mean, yeah. publishers definitely, and, I, and understandably so, did not expect that crowd. No. no, because they said last year was 40-something, so it doubled. The crowd doubled from last year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of policies yeah. a lot of policies changed from last year to this year in terms of, like, masking and vaccinations and total people's badges they're selling and whatever. But that, who can plan for a 100% increase, right? Well, and again, as Will was saying... I think the challenge was the lines. Yeah, the lines were rough. And the lines, and when there are those kind of lines and how they spill out into the, you know, the walkways, it's a double, triple problem. So, and again, once you get there, there's nothing there. And so then, like, there's a lot more weird movement. So in past years, there would be stuff there. You'd buy it, and then you'd go off and either, you know, play it or, like, eventually at some point, you got to, you know, play your own worker placement kind of game. Like, we hit a couple of places, pull your workers off the board, drop your stuff off or play your stuff, and then come back. This was like, person hit a booth, they ran out. Person hit a booth, they ran out. Person hit, like, 
they're still walking around. They're still in that general space. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's like, I, I, I so the hottest games on the BGG hotness before the event, right? We're talking about like World Wonders from Arcane Wonders. They sold out of that Friday. Three Ring Circus. Three Ring Circus. They sold out of that Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when Ares ran out of War of the Ring, the card game expansions. It's pretty quick. I mean, they said on Saturday when we went to the, it was, it was at least Saturday, if not Friday. Yeah, so like, and by the end of today, walking through the hall, nobody had anything. Yeah. Anything that was remotely new that wasn't like an indie game that was on anybody's hot list was gone. It was all gone. So, like, you're walking by booths where, you know, Barcelona was sold out, Great Western Trail was sold out, Expeditions sold out yesterday. Um, older games, even that are hot, were selling out. So it's, which is great. I'm glad the publishers had a good Fantastic. time. I do feel a little bad for like maybe families who came in only for Sunday if they wanted to hit the vendor hall because there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, it was really surprising. I mean, I mean, Chip Theory Games usually brings truckloads. Yeah. And we walked past there and it was a ghost town. And I think you mentioned this, Anthony. It might have been on a Friday or a Saturday. A lot of people just abandoned their boots mm-hmm. because they ran out of games. We usually see it like one or two booths that are empty Sunday. Yeah. Like they ran out of stuff. They're like, we might as well go home. Yeah. Right? What are we doing here? We're just saying hi to people. Yeah. This time it was like Friday evening, Saturday morning, yeah. people were leaving. And it's like, you pay a lot of money to be. And it's good, again, that you were successful, but then you're like, you have to make that decision of like, it's do we trip. stick around? Do I get home early to my family since I'm not selling anything? Yeah. And a lot of people schedule flights where they have trucks and stuff like that. But yeah, I think this convention, this year, more than any other year, I mean, I must have seen half a dozen empty booth areas. And I was just like, really? And again, those who did stick around, a lot of those boots were also empty. So yeah, I feel bad for the Sunday people who came in. So I'm not sure. And again, we should also talk about, (laughs) I guess, the giant mouse in the room. Because Lorcana was a thing that happened. Lorcana was a thing. Did we stand on the lines for like two, three days to get, you know, cards worth... You know, two point six billion dollars. No, we did not. We, we did not. No, we could have. Everyone else did. See, the thing with Lorcana, and I, I, I guess I didn't interview anybody to find out why they did this, uh-huh. but people were lining up eighteen hours before the, the doors opened. Right. Yes. You could get in line during the day, whenever you wanted, up until like one o'clock, and the line was maybe two hours long, and get the cards. So I'm assuming they just got in those lines overnight to get the promos. The promos were, are we were watching the promos go up on eBay. And I think it started, it was like 600, 1200, 1800, and then I stopped watching it because I wanted to cry a little bit. It's a card. It's a Mickey Mouse card. Oh, yeah, that's true. No judgment. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm excited to try the game, and I'm going to pick some up for my family in like October when you can just find it at Target. Sure. But at the moment. <laughs> yeah, people, people, they, so again, Robsonberger, if you want to talk more about the whole story. So, like, again, people lined up without. I guess prompting because they wanted to get in early. They wanted to get the promo cards. They wanted to get all the packs and things like that. I don't. I think there was some limitation as far as what you the number of things you could buy. But I think you could buy like practically one of everything. You could buy exactly one of everything, and yes. then they clip the corner off of your badge yeah. to show that you've already bought something. Yeah. Which smart is smart, but also a little imperfect because you course. could just borrow someone's badge. Of course. Which and we did see that. We saw somebody who had a suitcase of all the stuff yes there's two people there and there's no no way way there's there's no yeah exactly that guy stood in that line four or five times easily yeah Yeah, so and and then there was some issues because i think 
after the first day started, you know, Gen Con, as far as the convention was concerned, was not not sure how to handle it. And then there was a rush of people past that line. And then people were complaining, obviously, and then the, the lines were crazy. They did have to call in or bring over security and police to manage that line and space. And I, I, we overheard them talking actually today about it. Like the police did a great job. And Robinsonsberger brought out in the this uh, the following days they brought coffee and donuts or stuff for people who were willing to you know sit out there all overnight. Yeah, and then and then Gen Con made sure there was a formal line. They took care of it, and the whole rest of the time it was just Thursday that was a mess. Yeah. Like the rest of the time there was a formal line. They managed it well. They went around the corner to make sure that it was not in everybody's way. Yeah. Um, it was it was really impressive. They probably sold thousands of boxes of Morcana. It's just, I've never seen anything like that. We've been to seven of these, and I've sure. never never seen it that crazy. Yeah, I mean, the price for the promos are just is yeah. off the chart. I mean, I don't think there's... I mean, there's been... We've been to Gen Con for years where people run out, get there in the first hour, buy as many of the new game as they can, and then flip it as quickly as they can. But no, this number of people, this number of flipping... And obviously, it's just like a lot of families who love Disney, and they want to play... And again, it's... It could be a very good game just in and of itself. And CCGs are just like this. So if you have not played CCGs, probably good for you because... <laughs> Your life is much more peaceful. <laughs> it's a lot right. more peaceful. So like for us, and I'm sure for a lot of other people, it's like, do I want to do that? Like, how much do I want to tax my mental health for the possibility as slight or possible? I don't know. For riches. I don't know if there's such a thing as riches. I mean, you know... I mean the person who's the person who pulled the one ring, yeah, sold it to Post Malone for two point six million dollars. Two point six million dollars. Way to so, go, Post. Way to so go. yeah, I mean there wasn't a two point six million dollar card there, but there was certainly hundreds, of, if not thousands, of dollars of cards at the convention. So choose your own adventure, my friends, but be careful because you know both sides are challenging at the very least. So that was Larkana. We got over it. We did not do it because we need to just continue. We just need yeah. to, like... Because, again, CCGs are a wonderful gaming experience, but it is a lifestyle game. So, that was that. Thursday happens. As you said, War of the Ring, the card game. Huge convention. A ton of different vendors there. Up and down the aisles. Lines galore. To And, and that's not... And, and galore is not... Why don't want to use that as a good word? No. Um... Because, again, there's always lines. There's always lines with Gen Con. They wrap around the, the block. Technology's available. Technology was used in a more intentional way. But still, it's 2023. It's ridiculous. Why anyone needs to wait online for a printed ticket is just beyond me. There's so many conventions. There's so much technology. Everyone has a phone with them. You should be able to buy the tickets that you want online on demand. Like, you should be walking around going, oh, there's this event open? Do, 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 do. I type it on my phone. I'm now registered for it. They scan our badges now when we go to certain events. Sometimes. So, you know, like, why not? They have the technology. They certainly could do it. I, Yeah, that, that will call line multiple times was outside of the stadium. It's ridiculous. And honestly, I don't. I mean, with other than maybe one or two just because of the media situation, I don't go to events at Gen Con. And that's the reason why. There's no other reason. Like, the amount of events out there, and, and again, you'll see a lot of stuff online. There was a lot of celebrity panels 
There was just so many amazing things at Gen Con. I just do not go because I do not want to deal with the ticket thing in advance or in person because I don't, I don't want to spend my time on a line. You know, and I already am. <laughs> so I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a downer, but again, great convention, great pictures, great fun, a lot of great things going on. And a lot of, we said a lot of celebrities, a lot of celebrity panels. Will, you went to some panels. You you braved the line. Tell us, tell us about all the good stuff that you got to see and did. Yeah, so I got to go some really good stuff. Um, some of it was a little bit of a mixed bag, kind of depends on what you're into. But uh, I went to two of the panels for Dungeons & Dragons Ooh, about them. I've heard about them. Yeah, they're a pretty big company <laughs> and a pretty big game. Wizards of the Coast was a major sponsor. They were. Uh, they were back in a big way this year, too. Uh, but I went to the panel about the new rules coming out. They had panels about new products. Uh, I went to a thing that was even more just community engagement, them talking about playing the game, uh, which is really cool. You got to get you know advice about playing the game for folks that have been playing it since the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since, since before I was alive even, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. Um, and I, there was also a couple of really cool events that, uh, while maybe they were under attended, I think for what good they did sure um there were some really cool experiences like i sat in a panel about um bipoc experiences in tabletop gaming and it was really interesting to just sit around and kind of listen to different perspectives and kind of have an open conversation with people about stuff um yeah it was really cool and i enjoyed it and there was also just a lot of unique stuff that happens at gen con that doesn't happen anywhere else uh so one of the things i saw people play a modded scooby-doo based rpg (laughs) for comedy and it was one of the funniest things i have seen in years because you know it's just like out there and like they just a bunch of things went wrong in a like horrifically chaotic way and it was just incredibly funny to watch these poor people up on the stage just trying to deal with it yeah Yeah, you texted about that we were playing terraforming mars i was like i want to go to that that sounds awesome (laughs) it was a good time and it was it was one of those things where it was just you couldn't help but enjoy it uh like one of the things that had happened was they had a cast member who they had a miscommunication with, and he wasn't aware that he was going to be playing a Scooby-Doo game. <laughs> and so he thought he was supposed to be playing the Muppets. <laughs> and so he showed up as Animal from the Muppets. And so they just kind of kept rolling with this like recurring joke that this guy doesn't know what he was actually supposed to be doing. Uh, it was really funny. And it's like those kind of things at Gen Con that like don't happen at other conferences. You know, I can count on the number of of times I've seen something like that at another convention or conference on one hand, uh, you know. So being able to go and have these unique Gen Con experiences that are part of Gen Con's history. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really enjoy uh, was this group that was doing this improv and this comedy stuff. Um, They've been at Gen Con 20 years. And it was one of those things, you know, I remember six months ago being like, I would never be able to go to Gen Con and see this happen. Um, And that was really cool to be able to sit there and be in the audience of something that has a storied history, is fun, is collaborative, and just be around people that like the same stuff you do because, you know, I've met probably six people that have ever seen any of the content that these people make and to be able to sit in a massive ballroom with those people was really cool. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic experience and so many great things. I mean, I think when you come to Gen Con, you have to accept that you're not going to be able to do not even a fraction of the things that you want to do and the big events and the and the big, you know, performances that are happening all the time, everywhere, not just even at the convention center, at the football stadium, at all the hotels, around the clock. It just and there's so many different communities here. And Will and I we were looking through some of the like like events that are so amazingly niche, 
but they're all over the place and they're happening all the time. And it was just like, it's so great that people find a community here and that they find friends and they find activities that they enjoy together. And it's not just coming there to buy games or stand on a Lurkana line. <laughs> so uh, they do a great job and we really appreciate it. I mean, like small things like one, uh, cosplayers, which obviously are at most conventions, but I think people here, I mean, the commitment to the costume, the commitment to the performance is fantastic. We found Waldo and Carmen Sandiego hanging out together and we got to play a game with Carmen Sandiego, find out what her location was, and we won, which was great. Because again, there's just so much love there for the convention and everything there. Uh, they had the pinball machines that you could play and see if you win as far as the challenge is concerned. That was a lot of fun. The food trucks and all the food in the back. They moved the food trucks and the drinks and the food. Delicious. Obviously, Wizards of the Cone. The ice cream truck was one of the highlights of my convention. Wizards of the Coast had an ice cream truck called Wizards of the Cone. And all of the things were themed after Wizard products. And it sounded like the dumbest thing. It could have been the most low-rent ability to just sell you ice cream at an inflated price. It was great, and we had such a good time with it. We were, like, goofing on it and having a good time laughing. Like, I went back for a second time in the same day <laughs> to get something else. It was a really good time. And it's just, like, weird stuff like that that doesn't exist any other place yeah. only could happen here. And that was something I was really appreciative of. And I ate gold. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> and that was part of the ice cream because reasons? Reasons, yeah. right? Yeah. It was the horde. Dragon's horde. You gotta... Which was... Uh, raspberries vegan sorbet with gold flakes on it that are edible. They were edible. I told you they were edible. You Uh, ate it. You're still here. (laughs) We did debate briefly uh, how much we would have to take to purchase the gold. (laughs) And if that was some sort of secret code thing, like maybe no one asked them and there would be some promo involved, but no. We tried. You know, can I have just the gold? Can I have a cup of the gold on the side? You know, eh, didn't work so well. But again, a lot of fun was to have. A lot of great, amazing craftspeople, intense, amazing artists. I mean, just Artist Alley is great. Um, just don't come for the games. Come for the craftspeople, dice makers, and just people of all ends. Just beautiful crafting. Lovingly designed. The artwork was outstanding. Every booth was like killer. Every booth. And we took pictures of them. And it's, again, since you're traveling, I mean, I would want to take it all home. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good we were flying because um, I would have spent a lot more money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the thing I was struck by was we were going by Artist Alley today. Yes. Uh, and looking at all this really spectacular art of any genre and any style you can think of. And, like, the two lead designers for D&D are just walking around. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I'm like, oh, those guys, like, work with the products that have these high-quality art. And they're just, like, wandering around Gen Con. I'm like, oh, this is really impressive. Maybe they're recruiting. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. So good on them if they are. No, fantastic. And again, so many different surprises, a lot to go into. Check out the pictures, and if you have any questions, hit me up. Again, I have so many crazy number of pictures, I couldn't write a statement for everything there. I think one of the biggest surprises, Anthony, for me, and I was really excited, was Stellaris was there on the table. It does exist from Academy Games. Yeah, they had a, whether it was a, like a, a manufactured copy or a prototype or what, but it looked complete there were pieces there was a board yeah and i was again i sincerely hope it's a great game because i would love to pick that up but i did not back it because there was nothing there was nothing out there about it 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's always tough, right? And this is one of the fun things about Gen Con is you walk around and things that are announced like the week before or that you didn't know are actually physically in existence yet. Like, uh, Board and Dice had a copy of Nucleum set up. Oh, yeah, that was a line out the door for that. Yeah, so we sat down and we had a conversation with Ola, who was very kind to, to walk us through Nucleum, um, which has some brass elements, but definitely has a lot of Luciani elements as well. So it's not just a brass clone. It's all sorts of amazing stuff. Super excited, big S in release. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that, right? And we, we couldn't go through all of it here. We'll talk about more of it in future. I mean, you're talking about you're kicking the habit in the coming week. I will certainly be coming back to a lot of these for my acquisition disorders in the coming weeks, um, games that we saw previews of or, or just got a chance to take a look at. Several other big games that we'll be reviewing in the weeks to come that were released or available there. We talk, We saw Expeditions, Age of Innovation, Barcelona. Um, these are all games that you know we were able to, to acquire copies one way or another and we'll be talking about in the weeks ahead. So just lots of amazing fun stuff and um, just, I don't know, it's Gen Con. What else can you say? Like You can't encapsulate all this in an hour. You all know that. It's, we'll be yeah. talking about it for weeks. <laughs> and again, despite the insanely high numbers of people there and you would think like all the bad things would happen uh, there wasn't right people publishers artists designers craftspeople um, writers gamers performer I mean there's there's just so many different types of people all in that one space and yes multiple days of bumping into people as you're trying to get through the thing everyone was cool Everyone was good. Everyone was excited to be there. There was a super good energy there. And, you know, it makes us excited. I mean, I, this is what the convention is supposed to be. It's about the experience you get, the vibe you get from that room. And I'm sorry the convention ended. I mean, it was tiring. Our feet are sore. But the time was very good. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to walk that much no. uh, for a very long time. Have you thought about taking the Catan van? I could take the Catan van. Yeah, I love that thing. Uh, but I, I will second what Chris said of, of like I think there was everyone we interacted with pretty much barring a couple examples were incredibly kind incredibly generous people that were just interested in having conversations and you know I, I think I probably met and connected to more people than I had in easily years just here just in four days you know five days yeah we had a great time uh, thanks to GenCon, thanks to Indy, Indianapolis for you know hosting us again. Thanks for Will for coming at us first GenCon, awesome. Uh, again, thanks to Jen, thanks to Ruby for being on and holding together the Discord for the academic conference. It was a really great time. Thank you all for following. Check out the pictures again. There's a ton of pictures. I actually, have so much more. I don't know if I'll post all of them, but if you have any questions about the games that we we saw there in the pictures the design, the publishers, or things like that, just hit me up with a question, and I will respond and let you know as far as what's coming up. We have some great promotions, some great contests coming up, uh, so there's a lot happening with BGA. All right, everyone, until next time, or until next Gen Con, this is Chris. This is Anthony. This is Will. And we'll save you all a seat at the table, especially David. Take care, everyone. Later. Bye. See ya. See ya.